They say this cat brother Craig is a bad brother. Hush your mouth. But I'm talking about Hatchet. Then we can dig it. The really real deal with brother Craig, the Hatchet Man, every Saturday. Who is the Hatchet Man? Where is the Hatchet Man? Who is this Hatchet Man and where can we find him? Okay, okay. Brother Craig is the Hatchet Man and you can find him at WNTW 820The Answer. The really real deal with Brother Craig, the Hatchet Man, on 820 AM WNTW. Now, no more water, you guys. Please! Who let the dogs out? Well, 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 welcome to the program, Virginia, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming at you live here on Virginia's Big Dog radio program, the really real deal. Yes, folks, the big dog is out, and we just like every Saturday, we waterboard that terrorist, and that terrorist gives up the information every time, folks. Who is this hatchet man, and where can we find him? <laughs> well, you can find your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, folks. Not only now can you find the hatchet man right here, Saturdays, 10 to noon. You can find us also right here Sundays. So uh, every Sunday we did our first rebroadcast. Uh, well, actually, it's the first one in a while. We used to do uh, Saturday and Sunday all the time. and uh, But we're back in, we're back in our uh, Saturday and Sunday replay mode. Now, we do not replay today's program, so if you're listening today and you listen tomorrow, you're not going to hear the same program. Uh, but we do, sometimes we will play last week's program, sometimes maybe a special uh, program. Last week we had uh, a special program that we replayed, and uh, we actually started out with the celebration of my mother's uh, 75th birthday uh, and then that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful interview I had with the uh, president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Uh, he wrote this book that uh, this is a university, not a daycare. And so uh, and I, I love stuff like that, folks. I mean, folk, we really have to just step up and start speaking truth to these people. Uh, you know, these little snot nosed kids uh, running around have had their head poured full of communism their entire lives, and uh, and now they're, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, and, you know, and they want to tell me what to do, okay? My children are older than that. <laughs> I mean, and, uh, and the only reason these universities let them run around and make demands and tell them what to do is that they're basically, they're customers. They're not students, okay? And the university system, uh, these are diploma mills, of highly overpriced diploma mills, okay? And so they, they allow them. But anyway, that's what we had last week. I'm not sure what program we're playing, re- doing on tomorrow's uh, replay, but you can find out right here on Virginia's Big Dog Radio Program, The Really Real Deal, and our Sunday time slot is a little bit different. We're on from 9 to 11. So that's 9 to 11 tomorrow. So maybe on your way to church, you can listen to a little bit of Hatchet Man, okay? And, uh, you know, we give you uh, Christian faith uh, man style, okay? You know, onion-toting uh, Christian faith, okay? And, uh, and you know I'm always talking to and about uh, the Christian conservative constitutional 
capitalistic coalition, what I call the five C's. Okay. Now, so not only uh, that, okay, we've waterboarded that terrorist now. We've got the information out of him where you can find this hatchet, man. <laughs> and uh, and your funny thing, folks, I've been waterboarding a terrorist for 10 years. I am still waiting for the United Nations to send me my sternly worded letter to cease and desist of abusing the terrorists, okay? We waterboard that joker. And uh, and look, and Maximus is with me here, the hatchet hound, and Maximus just loves waterboarding that terrorist. Yeah, get him, Papa, get him, okay? And uh, see, now Papa's not waterboarding him. The interrogator is waterboarding him. <laughs> but uh, we have fun doing that. Now, also, another place you can find the hatchet man now, okay? Uh, starting uh, this coming week, Wednesday night, 7.30 to 8.30, uh, I'll be back on Comcast. This will be either year six or year seven uh, of doing the, uh, the – this year I have five weeks. We get usually six weeks, sometimes seven weeks. This year, five weeks. Uh, so uh, 7.30 to 8.30 on Comcast. Now, if you have Comcast, we're on Channel 95. If you have Verizon, we're on channel 36, okay? And just like the radio program here, it is a call-in. And so you will be able to call in and, you know, you can take the hatchet man to task. You can say, attaboy. You can ask a question, you know, whatever, okay? Uh, we don't screen the calls. We take all calls, okay? Just like here, um, you know, we don't run and duck a tough call. I only ask, okay? Keep it civil. You know, uh, folks get real exercised sometimes. And for some reason, I don't know why this is, okay? But on Comcast, the callers tend to be very, very hostile to your friendly neighborhood hatchet man. Now, little humble, little old country boy from Charles City that I am, okay? All around nice guy. I don't know why that is, okay? Because here on uh, WNTW, we don't get a lot of hostile phone calls, okay? And I don't mind hostile phone calls. It's just, uh, you know, maybe uh, if folks want to take me to task, take me to task one at a time. Usually when these hostile folks call up, it's like the floodgates open. It's rapid fire, five, six questions, boom, 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 and I don't get a chance to answer. And so when I take control of the conversation, uh, then I get accused of uh, running roughshod over the caller. But, um, but, folks, it's my program, okay, whether I'm here uh, on WNTW or whether I'm on Comcast, and, and I have to run the program. And uh, so you have to kind of play by my rules, okay? And I, I only have one rule, uh, you know, take your time, uh, keep it polite, and, and let the host answer uh, a question. Then after I've, we've dialogued, uh, you know, then if you have a follow-up question, you know, hit me with that afterwards, okay? But um, we have uh, later in the program today my very, very good friend, uh, Brother Carl Gallops. Uh, uh, Brother Carl is a pastor uh, down in, uh, in uh, Florida, and uh, he has written another bestseller, and this one, Gods and Thrones. Looking very, very much forward to that now. You don't want to miss that conversation, folks. Uh, uh, Brother Carl will be on at the top of our 11 o'clock hour, okay? And uh, in the meantime, we have a lot to discuss uh, in the news, you know, and as always, I try to give you uh, what I think 
Uh, we need, you know, in, in my primary audience, again, the Christians, the conservatives, the constitutionalists, the capitalists, okay, we are people who believe in things. We believe in real things, okay? We don't believe in fairy tales. We don't believe in the tooth fairy, okay? Uh, you know, we don't believe in socialism and communism, utopia, all these constructs that the coalition of evil believes in. And so I'm dealing in truth, all right? Now, now these folks, they're not dealing in, in truth, all right? These folks are, are, the, are the types of people that our big brother Jesus the Christ was talking about when he said, ye are of your father the devil, the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, folks, that's not the word of Brother Craig. That's the word of God. Out of the book of John, chapter 8, verse 44. Now, why is it that the, the folks here, and, you know, and I hate to be beating up on these guys. These are members of my coalition, and I, so I'm trying to uh, try to school them a little bit and, and bring them along and, and give them uh, courage. Uh, the most oft-repeated phrase in the Bible is fear not. And see, we have a lot of folks that are full of fear because this coalition of evil, they are not as large and as prevalent as they appear to be. Okay, it's just like in the wild, an animal will enlarge itself to make it appear bigger than it is in order to frighten its enemy. And this is what the coalition of evil has done. They primarily occupy places in our culture where they have large megaphones. And so you would think that everywhere you turn is one of these nasty neoliberals waiting to bite your head off if you speak like you're a Christian or like you're a conservative, or like you believe in capitalism or free enterprise, or like you believe in the Constitution. Oh, I, you know, I've got I to gotta moderate, okay? I've got to be a moderate Christian. I've got to be a moderate capitalist. I mean, come on. How do you do that? How do you be half a Christian? How do you be half of a capitalist? How do you believe in half of the Constitution? Which half are you going to believe in? Which half are you not going to believe in? Come on, people. Come on, people. But anyway, so that's kind of my mission, folks, to let these folks know that this is still a center-right nation. This is still a Christian nation. It is not 100% Christian. We're not 100% center-right. Now, according to the latest statistics, Virginia is 72% center-right. The nation as a whole is 70% center-right. Okay? Last time I checked, folks, 70% beats 30%. But because our enemies occupy media, academia, the, the, the news press, the uh, Hollywood, the, you know, so they appear bigger than they are because they're driving the agenda. And on our side, we want to keep our Christianity in our prayer closet. And then when we leave the prayer closet, then we're incognito. Come on, folks. Not gonna work. Not gonna work. We're gonna. I've been a little long on my opening here. We're going to uh, take our first break of the day, and uh, and then when we come back, we're gonna open up the phone lines 
and uh, because we're going to have a good, long conversation with my good friend, Brother Carl. So we're going to try to get our phone calls in early. 804-454-1366 is the number. 804-454-1366. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, TheFirstAmendmentInc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Program Virginia, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, brother Craig, listening to a little bit of Michael Jackson telling you what it's all about, folks. That man in the mirror, you know, folks. We, I listen to the news, and sometimes I have to just turn it off, folks. And it's just uh, everything is Trump's fault, okay? And when um, when that wicked Barack Obama was in the office, everything was Obama's fault, okay? And uh, it's it's just it's really really ridiculous folks and uh i was not a barack hussein obama fan from day one okay and uh you know but the media uh never 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 i mean they just they covered everything up i mean i mean this is a guy who up in chicago they have this uh homosexual club called man's world okay where these old homosexuals uh with money uh, they basically purchase these uh, young men that are, you know, trying to rise up and uh, need a patron. OK. And uh, so there was uh, Barack Hussein Obama right up there in man's world, you know, biting the pillow, swallowing the sword, you know, doing whatever it is he had to do to uh, rise. And, and, and the uh, and the preacher, Reverend Jeremiah Wrong uh, at that church. Now, folks think his name is Reverend Jeremiah Wright. 
But I'm telling you, that Negro is wrong, okay? He was wrong. He is wrong. His his mama named him wrong, okay? It's just Jeremiah wrong, not Jeremiah right, okay? And uh, and look, had the nerve to name that joker out of the Bible. Joker has a biblical name, and he's operating the, uh, now they call it the down low club up there in Chicago. I call it the low down club, okay? Because what they do is they, uh, Jeremiah Wrong in his church there, they uh, set these homosexual men up with wives so that they can climb the uh, political and business and media world ladder. And uh, because, see, back then, you couldn't be openly homosexual. Just, it, that just couldn't happen now. But now, march forward to 2017, now, maybe it's a stretch to say you could be an open homosexual and become president. So, yeah, Obama had to keep that thing kind of quiet, and the media uh, participated in keeping it quiet, all right? But now with Harvey Weinstein, one of Obama's friends, one of Hillary's friends, and, and all these uh, allegations uh, coming out about him, and, uh, you know, half of these folks are running to the cameras, feigning surprise, just want to pretend, oh, just what a shock. I'm so disappointed, okay? These people, all of them, they knew what Harvey Weinstein was about, okay? I mean, I've seen uh, comedy skits where, I mean, and this is four or five years ago, they were cracking jokes about, uh, you know, some actress who won an award and that she should get a Purple Heart because she survived the Harvey Weinstein casting couch, okay? And everyone laughs, all right, I mean, the guy's contract with the, and it's his own company, you know, as he and his brothers and a few others that formed the Weinstein Company, they fired him from the company that he co-founded, okay? This is how hot this guy is now. It, I mean, and folks, it's not that there's something new they found out. It's just that now everyone else knows. But they always knew. The guy's contract, he even had a clause in his contract that basically gave him permission to uh, sexually harass all these women. And, you know, and some of these women would slap him and, or, 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 you know, walk out. I mean, Angelina Jolie walked out and went and told her husband, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt went to the guy, mano a mano, okay? And so, I mean, and now all this is coming out. But the, Hollywood knew that Harvey Weinstein was an animal. Okay, he, he knew this, right? And, and the thing about it, folks, everywhere you look, these uh, Democrats, the matter of fact, it's not just the Democrats, it's the entire coalition of evil, all right? But in America, that's primarily uh, the leadership of the Democrat Party. Now, I'm not talking about you, Ma and Pa Democrat, okay? You, you are of those people that are have been deceived by these people, okay? And uh, I'm not saying that uh, you're evil when I reference the coalition of evil. But, folks, it's, um, it's amazing if you really take emotion out of it, all right, and just be analytical, all right? And so you know your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, uh, I am an analyst, okay? I am an analyst. And so I take emotion out of these things. And so it's... You know, again, the word of God, not the word of Brother Craig. And Book of Matthew 24, 24, that 
the day would come even the elite would be deceived. So certainly you out there who are listeners, who you hear me beat up on the Democrat Party, and I'm one of the few people in media that has the onions to call these people evil, okay? Now, what do the goofball Republicans usually say? Oh, well, that's my friend across the aisle over there. Why, he's confused. Really? Okay, really? The <laughs> I have to laugh. These low-fat Republicans, been, I've, been, I've been hearing this for as long as I've been paying attention to politics, that the Democrats are confused. Why, they just, they don't understand economics. Look, you are confused. You don't understand, okay? They understand. They're just not in agreement with us. They, they have a different worldview. These people are thieves and liars. And see, and there's a reason why the Democrat voting coalition has the mega rich and the, the very poor and the greedy who want to live at the expense of their fellow Americans. And the Republican coalition has primarily people and again, to go back to the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition and we being people who believe in things, one of the things that we believe in, hard work, fair play, things that are real. We're the party of science. Now, how many years have you been hearing, just like I've been hearing, oh, the Republicans, they're, they're not the party of science. The Republicans, they're not the party of kindness. They're the party of, of big money. And if you do an analysis, see, you, you have to do your own research. But I know you don't have time, so I do it for you, okay? And I never get challenged on this, okay? I might get challenged. You know, folks don't like my tone, okay? But folks didn't like the tone of my big brother Jesus either, okay? Because Jesus didn't pull punches. Jesus gave you what? The truth. Because Jesus knew exactly what he said. Ye shall know the truth and it is the truth that shall make you free. Okay? It's not an individual that's going to make you free. God's not going to come down and, 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 and every problem you have in life, he's going to part the waters of your problem and make you free. He gave you the truth. He sent his son. He, there's the, the holy word is there. There's, I mean, everything you need is there. And it is this truth that I'm telling you that shall make you free. Okay, and uh, but anyway, we're up at the bottom of the hour break, and uh, we do want to remind you that our good friend Dave Brad, he's a good one now. Kindred Spirits Brewery this Tuesday, October Brat Fest. Okay, thirty-five dollars per ticket. It's in Goochland, uh, the first, the two eighty-eight exit at West Creek, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit again on the other side of the break. 804-454-1366 is the number, folks. We will be right back. When I'm wiser and I'm older All this time I was finding myself And I didn't know I was lost So wake me up when it's all over When I'm wiser and I'm older All this time I was finding myself And I Nothing 
without a woman or a girl. You tell them, James Brown. Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. Yes, yes, yes. It's a man's world, all right. But just like James Brown says, it wouldn't be nothing without our women and our girls. And you know, folks, in the day, in the times we live in, that, that I mean, literally, folks, I, I, this is no exaggeration. There are women in this world that are toting a better set of onions than, than some of these men. And I mean spiritual testosterone, folks. I mean, come on now. You know how we get down here on the really real deal. We go after the root of things, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and the reality is you really you have to be a full adult, okay? This is Grown Folks Radio, and, you know, we're not uh, talking about the ball game and, you know, uh, you know your latest tattoo and, you know, folks with the head on backwards and, and just wasting time, occupying space, sucking up oxygen. You know, the, the people that listen to uh, talk radio, particularly of this variety of, of talk radio, um, I think, and I travel around a lot, and I'm uh, very blessed and very fortunate to have the opportunity to speak at a lot of the events uh, that you all are putting on out there. And so I, I see the work that you all are doing. And, uh, and I, you know, and it's really, it's, it's an honor for me to be invited into your homes, into your automobiles and more and more and more, you know, we're being invited over your, uh, your, your smartphones and computers and whatnot. And, uh, so, you know, the wave of the future, uh, anyway, uh, we're starting our second half hour, uh, at the top of the next hour, we're going to have our guest Carl Gallops. And uh, we tend to have a lot of phone calls in the latter part of the program. Uh, so we, we really would like to open up the phone lines early today. 804-454-1366 is the number. 804-454-1366. I want to share with you again uh, for you who uh, love Dave Brett the way I do. Uh, Dave Brett is uh, the only economist in Congress, okay? Now, remember, folks, Congress, uh, that's the branch of government that makes the budget and writes the checks. They spend the money, not the president, okay? Not the president, not the judiciary, Congress. And as a matter of fact, all uh, spending bills are supposed to originate in the con congressional side of the uh, legislature, not the Senate side, which makes the Obama scam health care illegal. All right. There's several things that make it illegal, but that's one. All right. And uh, so and again, I've been saying this, these things for years, you know, and I'm I'm no uh, legal scholar, although I am president, founder and president of the First Amendment, Inc. And uh, I mean, the Obama scam uh, health law tramples the First Amendment, just tramples it. OK. And uh, and it tramples on a lot of things. And as a matter of fact, I'm one of uh, very few, I'm not the only one now, but I'm one of very, very few people in this nation that said Chief Judge Roberts should have been impeached over what he did, okay, because he uh, twisted himself in a pretzel to pass it. He is, and, and the thing about it here, you got this joker, Barack Hussein Obama, uh, he's pimping his brown skin. That's what he did for eight years. And so it was like if you criticize him over anything, 
something that you would criticize a white person for, for example, exact same thing you would criticize, you would critique a, a, a white person for, but because Barack Hussein Obama had brown skin, all of a sudden you can't critique him. That, now, that's racism in and of itself, okay? I think George Bush used the phrase. Uh, he probably didn't uh, invent the phrase. I'm sure one of his speechwriters uh, crafted the phrase for him. But what George Bush called it, and I'm, in a, you know, again, he also not one of my favorite presidents, you know, not sufficiently onion-toting in my book, okay? Did all right on the war on terror. But in the culture war, no, 100% no, weak, weak. If he's toting onions, you best believe they're baby pearls, okay, when it comes to the culture war, okay, because he never, never fought back in his eight years. The, the Democrats, they beat on him and beat on him and beat on him. And see, by, you know, he wants to play the Mr. Dignified role, right? But by him not fighting back, he is the leader of the Republican Party. He is not the Republican Party, all right? He was the leader of the American people. He was not the American people. He was just the leader. And so when they beat up on him, they're beating up on us. And so even though you personally might want to uh, be humble, but when you're in that office, you really need to be like Trump. You need to punch back, okay? And this is why they hate him, because finally, 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 there is a Republican that fights back, okay? See, folks like me, we can't always do the heavy lifting, okay? Now, I've been writing this stuff in crayon for these silly Republicans for 20 years. They don't listen. Now, you out there, you listen. You, you know, my audience seems to like what I have to say. But do you think the Republican Party likes what I have to say? No, okay? No. And so if, if they did like it, they'd win a lot more elections, okay? When the midst of one now, it's going to be tough, real tough, okay? But back to my point about um, Obama and Bush and, and Trump and the, the ways in which the, uh, the three of them, uh, you know, go about uh, – prosecuting their uh, their issues and, and pushing forward, you know, Obama being a Democrat, okay, it's how can we fool them today? And Bush being a weak Republican, it's okay, how can we not offend anyone today? And Trump being a strong Republican, not a perfect Republican on policy, but a strong in, in his brand of policy, and, and he's the president, he won, so it's going to be his way, okay? But in his way of seeing things, give the man credit. The man is strong. He fights back, okay? He fights back, all right? And so um, Obama had the, the brown skin card, you know, what they call the race card. He could play that. And seeing Democrats are going to, and people wonder, well, wow, why do Democrats always, everything is racism, this, racism, that. Aren't people tired of that? Yes, people are tired of it. But until the Republicans fight back, you know, why would they stop? Okay? I just told you what Jesus said about these people. They are of their father, the devil. When they lie, they speaketh of their own because their father is the father of lies. 
So they, they, you're not ever, I mean, if you go down the list, and, you know, anyone that wants to take issue with this, 804-454-1366 is the number, 804-454-1366. And we got plenty of things recently in the news that would just perfectly demonstrate what I'm saying, okay? And, and, and the simple fact of the matter is, like, take the Obama scam health law, okay? No one, I've, I can't tell you the number of people I've interviewed, people that have, are experts on this, that have written books on it. I think Dr. Gray is the only one that I've interviewed of all the people I've interviewed over the years. Uh, Dr. Gray wrote a great book uh, about the, uh, this Obama scam health law being uh, the, the soul of the nation was at risk. And see, the uninformed think this is all this is, is one branch of government wants to give you something free and the other branch wants to take it from you. It's n- no, it's not that, okay? It's not that. And the way they're casting Trump's recent uh, actions is, oh, well, what's going to happen is uh, premiums are going to increase, okay? Yes, premiums will increase for a minute, but what will happen is what always happens in capitalism, okay? People that are allowed to participate in something that is a free market, they will compete for your dollars, okay? And what a high price is, a high price is a signal that there are unmet needs. So, uh, you know, back when electricity was new, electricians were uh, badly needed because there was a lot of construction going on, a lot of new homes being built, and you just didn't have enough electricians. And so in order to induce uh, young men to go to school to learn to be an electrician, they had they in they, they, their pay scale was off the charts. An electrician could make good money, uh, you know, 40 years ago. An electrician, electricians were making more money than a lot of college educated people. Okay? And it's the same with a lot of the skilled crafts trades. They were being very, very well paid, all right? Because why? You had to compete. A young person going to school had to make a decision, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to go uh, four years in college, be a school teacher, make $15,000 a year to start? And this, this is, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Or am I going to go into a trade program, uh, finish up in one year, and come out and make $25,000 a year? Okay? Simple math. Okay? Simple math. All right? And so – this is the competition factor, and that's where the price goes up for labor. On the other side, the price comes down for the goods because, see, the business has to pay enough to induce people to work, but then they have to charge low enough to induce people to buy. And the difference between the two, that's the profit. So it's not easy. This, this ain't easy, okay? If it was easy, everyone would be an entrepreneur. Everyone would be a business owner, and you'd have no such thing as big business, okay? It's not easy, folks, but this is what free market capitalism looks like. You're, it's not a dictatorship where the government can just say, you are going to do X, Y, Z. You are going to go and study this. You are going to go study that. You are going to stay home and make babies. You, I mean, that's not the American way. The American way is you induce people to do the things you want to do with rewards, okay? And so 
if this this Obama scam health law, the 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 true way, if it was Obamacare, okay. And see, and I've been telling these Republicans for many, many years that don't call it Obamacare. Uh, they just ran to the mic. Oh, this is Obamacare. And I mean, these people are silly. <laughs> they need to be. <laughs> I told them when the uninformed deconstruct the word that you've crafted, Obamacare, they're going to hear two words. They're going to hear Obama, and then they're going to hear the word care. That, oh, he cares about me. And then what are you left with? Oh, well, he might care, but he just doesn't understand. I'm telling you, Barack Hussein Obama is not a dumb man. He understands more than you give him credit for understanding. It's just that because he's going in the opposite direction, remember, I've been saying it for years. I'm going to say it right here again. There are only two theories of government. There are two and only two. One theory of government is that the author of your rights, your freedom, is God Almighty. The other theory of government is that there is no God, therefore your rights are whatever the people in power say your rights are. Not, you don't have any born God-given rights. Because remember, these people, they don't believe in God. Communism does not believe in God. Socialism, fascism, the Democrat Party, atheism, it, fundamentalist Islam, they might say with their lips, uh, our God's name is Allah, but they don't believe in even in Allah. They believe in the mullah that's telling you Allah because the word Islam means submission. It doesn't mean peace the way silly George Bush said it. Oh, well, Islam, our Islamic brothers, religion of peace. These people that took these towers down, why, they're not true Muslims. Islam is a peaceful religion. These people, they are distorting the true meaning of this peaceful religion. It's silly, 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 okay? And this past September 11th, I monitored the news all over the place. I was shocked. I should not have been, but I was shocked. I was the only person in media, folks, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, that was telling people that September 11th is a date to the Muslim world, a date that lives in infamy. Because in 1565, the Muslims ran from the Knights of Malta after a two-month siege of the island of Malta the Christian Knights of Malta repelled them, and they left on September 11th. Almost 100 years later, the same date, the same thing, this time at the gates of Vienna, and not a two-month siege, a six-month siege. And again, the Christian Knights came to the aid of Vienna and kicked them out of Vienna, and when they left, again, it was September 11th. And so ever since those two defeats on September 11th, the Muslim world has sought vengeance on that date. And so what happened on September 11th, that's what it was, okay? And so, folks, this is just, I mean, it gets to the point of being ridiculous that here I'm the only person that explain. Everyone else is, you know, doing the memorial. And that's fine. I get that, doing the memorials 
for the victims of what happened on our September 11th. But, I mean, even in September 11th in Benghazi, Libya, where Obama and uh, Hillary, oh, it was a, a video, and the Arabs got upset because uh, a, a Jewish guy made a video, and they didn't like it, okay? I mean, even if that were true, I mean, is that being a good member of the human family where you can't control your emotions, someone expresses a view that you don't like and your reaction is not to uh, debate and argue the way I would, just, you know, I don't like what Democrats or communists or socialists or Muslim fundamentalists do. And so I sit behind this microphone and I offer a better vision. I don't go out and attack anyone. All right. And for the most part, the Christian West, none of us do that. None of us do that. And so, but this is, this is that these are some of the things that people have to analyze when they're looking at, you know, these, these presidents. I mean, these presidents are leaders. They, they, I mean, they're not dictators. This is not the Soviet Union or China. This is the United States of America. So the president is a representative of who? A representative of you. And I know that, you know, half the country voted for Trump and uh, half the electorate, rather, not half the country, half the electorate uh, voted for Hillary. And, uh, you know, they lie and they want to say, oh, well, Hillary won the um, popular vote. That's really, that's not even known, okay, because there's so much voter fraud, particularly in a state like California, where the silly Republicans, they write it off all the time, so there's no one at the polling places to check anything. And California is like 10% of the electorate. One state is huge, okay? It's huge. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous, folks. But anyway, and again, the number, if you'd like to chime in, 804-454-1366, 804-454-1366. Now, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to take our – uh, third break here, and uh, when we come back, we're going to uh, discuss, again, some of the uh, things in the news that buttress uh, what I'm talking about uh, here, that the, these, 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 these lies that are out here, and, and this is to prepare us to be able to understand what's going on and to not uh, be living in fear or confusion or delusion or uh, as the Bible says, to, to be one of those deceived. And another thing that it does say, it does say that the elite or the elect would be deceived, but there's a caveat there. It says, if possible, if possible. So you're not supposed to be deceived, okay? And, and, and particularly you Democrats out there who are deceived, you are not supposed to be deceived deceived, particularly if you are a Christian, okay? And I, it is my fervent prayer that you Christians who vote Democrat would stop doing that and join us in the Christian, conservative, constitutional, capitalistic coalition. We're going to take that break. We will be right back. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. Listen as your day unfolds. Challenge what the future holds. Try and keep your head up to the sky. Lovers, they may call. 
cause you tears Go ahead, release your fears Stand up and be counted Don't be ashamed to cry You gotta be, you gotta be bad You gotta be bold, you gotta be wiser You gotta be hard, you gotta be tough You gotta be stronger Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, TheFirstAmendmentInc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Friendly Neighborhood Hatchet Man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on Virginia's Big Dog Radio Program, The Really Real Deal. And, uh, yes, a short segment here coming up to the top of the hour uh, where I'm really, really looking forward to my interview with my good friend, uh, Pastor Carl Gallops. And uh, I want to remind you again, Dave Brad, again, he's a good one, folks. Uh, Not only the only economist in Congress, but a seminary graduate, okay, uh, really, really understands uh, what it means to be a, a member of the Christian Conservative Constitutional Capitalistic Coalition. Uh, Dave gets it like very few other uh, people get it. Uh, I was very honored and privileged to be very, very early. Really, I was the first news analyst in the nation that thought Dave Bratt had a chance to beat Eric Cantor. Okay, Eric Cantor was the second most powerful Republican in the country. Okay, Uh, there was even talk about Eric Cantor running for president. All right. This dude was big. But uh, I had Dave on radio every week. I had Dave on uh, my television uh, series at the time. I think uh, that that year the TV series was titled America's Next Great Crisis, where I basically predict things that are happening right now. And again, folks, not that I'm a genius, but, you know, I uh, have been blessed to uh, read and interview a lot, you know, basically the works of other people. And uh, and and honestly, folks, it's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit as well. You know, I have to I have to give credit uh, there as well. And so uh, because, you know, a lot of folks read some of the same books I read, but they don't draw the same or similar conclusions that I draw. But anyway, Kindred Spirits Brewery, uh, this is coming up this Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Tickets are $35. It is a fundraiser. 
Okay, Dave is doing his part to help the Republican ticket in the fall. And trust me, folks, they need all the help they can get. Okay, that's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, two, two or three minutes here until the top of the hour uh, to just to finish up, to kind of put a nice little bow on what I was uh, saying earlier about, um, you know, the direction of this nation with, um, you know, the, uh, the Trump does something simple like tells a bunch of uh, cronies that you can no longer have corporate welfare, basically. They see now the Democrats, they should be singing Trump's praises. But there's a whole, oh, Donald Trump is going to cause people's uh, premiums to increase. What Donald Trump is doing, he's telling the insurance companies, you cannot have government subsidies. Can you and your business, if you're a plumber, do you get a government subsidy so that when you charge someone $1,000 to do a plumbing job, instead you can charge them 500 because you got 500 from the government? Do, do you have that hookup? I know goodness well I don't, okay? So why should insurance companies uh, get government money? The government has no money of its own. They either take that money from you or they sell debt, and that money is going to have to be repaid by your children and grandchildren, okay? So this is either your money or your grandchildren's money. The, the government has no money of its own. They take it from one place and they give it to another place. That, folks, is that is not right. It is not right. And kudos to you, Donald Trump, for fixing it. I still call it Obama scam. I just hope when they fix this stuff that I don't have to call it Trump scam. Now, I hope that, you know, and if look, if it is a scam, I'm going to call it like I see it. I always do. We're going to take our top of the hour break, folks. And when we come back, my good friend, Brother Carl Gallup's his latest book, Gods and Thrones. Where is the best news and talk? AM 820, WNTW Chester is the answer. This is a man's world. This is a man's world. But it wouldn't be nothing, nothing without a woman or a girl. Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming at you live here on Virginia's Big Dog Radio program, The Really Real Deal. And folks, as promised, we have my very, very good friend, Pastor Carl Gallops. I lovingly call him Brother Carl, and uh, we have him on the line. And uh, folks, let me tell you a little bit about Brother Carl here. And, uh, you know, he's written another fantastic book, and uh, Brother Carl, I've, I've, he has honored me to appear on uh, this radio program more than anyone else. I think we're like maybe eight or nine uh, interviews now. And, uh, you know, we, we have uh, done literally about three or 400 interviews. And uh, Brother Carl is always among my favorites. And I guarantee you, Brother Carl, my father-in-law is uh, listening out in California. Uh, you're one of his favorites, too. But this brother... Uh, was a police officer 
Uh, this brother has been the pastor of a, a real pastor of a real church, Hickory Hammock Baptist Church down in Milton, Florida, for 30 years. Okay, He's a member of the Board of Regents at the University of Mobile in, in Alabama. His first book uh, was in 2012, The Magic Man in the Sky. And, uh, you know, my sweet, lovely wife, Mrs. Hatchett, uh, suggested I read it. I initially scoffed at it, but, uh, man, I'm so glad I did what every smart man does. Listen to your wife, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and brother, then uh, the rabbi who found Messiah, oh, that just blew me away, okay? Be thou prepared, final warning, when the lion roars, and now you've done it again, brother. And uh, now I've not had time. I have to be honest with you, Brother Carl. Uh, the book came in the mail late. Okay, it just came in the mail yesterday. And so I really um, be kind of, you know, I typically am very, very prepared. Like you say, be thou prepared. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a little bit, you know, I'm going to have to kind of work this one out. But, you know, we've. We've done this dance many times, and I think it's going to be just fine. But thank you so much. Um, you know, we really, really do appreciate you. And you've had me on your radio program, which was a, was a treat. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brother Craig. And to your wife and father-in-law, and I know those folks. They're precious to me and your audience. And, and, and thank you for your kind words. I appreciate it. Listen, I'm glad you got the book. I'm sorry it was late. Uh, there oh. was a mix-up with the distributors. We got all that straightened out, and they're going out now like crazy. And, oh, uh, people, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't just you, brother. We didn't single you out. I oh, you I know you would never do that. But <laughs> no, it's just sir. its so fascinating. You know Elohim. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the things you write are just, and it's like it's profound, but at the same time it's like, wow, I've been hearing about this all my life. You know, Elohim, the Trinity. Um, you know, let us make man in, in our image and in our, I mean, it's, I mean, even in, 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 in the, uh, the, the serpent, I just found it fascinating. And you just take simple truths and you stream it together. I mean, it's almost like, you know, Michael Jordan made it look easy, but he worked real hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, if it looks easy, let me just tell you, all praise to Jesus. And yes, there was a lot of hard work behind it. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, and I do give the Lord all praise for this. Listen, I, I, this is my sixth book. All of them are unique. Every one of them deals with different areas of the Christian faith and the biblical message and theology and things going on in the world. All of them have a, a, a prophetic undertone to them. In other words, they they're just looking at the times in which we live and then mm -hmm. explaining to Christians how to live, how to understand the Word, what our mission is, what's going on in the world around us. But this book is unique among them all, and it is critically acclaimed by some really big people in, in the Christian world. Mm -hmm. And um, it is, brother, one month before it was officially released on Amazon. By the way, it doesn't officially release till tomorrow, mm -hmm. but it's been on Amazon for a little over a month. And um, so if you order it now, I mean, you'll get it the next day or two, right, from Amazon, mm -hmm. just telling your audience that. It's called Gods and Thrones, Gods and Thrones. And one month ago, it was <clears throat> ranked number one bestseller in six categories on Amazon, and it wow. was ranked number 400 out of all 17 million books on wow. Amazon. So it was in the top one. That's in pre-order. 
one percent. That's pre-order. That's in pre-order, brother. Now, in the meantime, the reviews are just coming in because people are just getting them, and there are already five reviews, five five-star reviews, and and you know, and I'll let you read them. I'm not going to read them. That'll mm. sound vain, but it's just people's lives are being changed because of this book. And yeah. again, all praise to Jesus because yeah. you know the Word of God is the only word we ultimately need. Uh, but but books like mine, and there are other authors that occasionally will put something out there that really illuminates the Word, mm-hmm. and this one illuminates the Word in deep, profound ways that we just don't hear preached and taught from the pulpits anymore. This and, is what we um, need, brother. And, yeah, uh, I thank you, brother. And, and I want your audience to know, this, this stuff that's in this book, I did not pull out of my back pocket. I used 36 scholarly commentaries. Uh, the writings of modern language, uh, biblical language experts that are renowned with PhDs and peer-reviewed and, of course, examining the Dead Sea Scrolls. I used 24 scholarly translations of the Bible. Uh, but the But with all of that scholarly backing behind it and underpinning, I wrote it at the level that it can be every pastor, every person in every pew can understand it, they can get it, they can go, oh my gosh, I never saw this in the scripture before, but there it is. And and what I do is I just connect the dots, Brother Mm -hmm. Craig, from Genesis to Revelation, and I keep it flowing in a nice stream Mm -hmm. to help people see. Then I move it from the theological understanding, I move it right into today's headlines, Mm -hmm. and that's where people freak out because they say, oh my gosh, I see it. Now I know what's happening in the world. Now Mm -hmm. I understand it. Now I get it. And then I move it from there into the life of the individual Christian, and I make it very real. And then I move it from there into eternity and the new coming the coming age of Jesus Christ the coming rule and reign and what our place is in eternity according to God's word and according to the story from Genesis to Revelation so yeah. I, this I'm telling is you, not I'm, just for uh, pastors either is it this no. um, oh you know, no if the men out there are going to be the five P's you know the priest the prophet the pastor the protector and the provider of your home for your family if you know we play that song, It's a Man's World for a Reason. Right. <laughs> this this will right. help you do that, won't it, Brother Carl? Yes, it will. Yes, it will, brother, and that's that's the whole point. And, uh, but uh, anyway, um, can I explain kind of how it came to be and what the Please. title means? I mean, we can start there because some people Please may do. be confused. Yeah, I like to have provocative titles, you mm-hmm. know, like Magic Man in the Sky. <laughs> you know, people say, well, I'm not going to read a book that calls God a magic man. No, I don't call God a magic man in the sky. The atheists call him a magic man in the sky. Right. So what I do is I write this book saying, okay, let's talk about this. Is he really magic? Is he just a man? Is he in the sky? Let's mm-hmm. talk about this. Okay, same thing with this. Mental jujitsu. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And 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 the same thing with this title, Gods and Thrones. You know, people look at it and say, Well, there's no such thing as a pantheon of gods and and, and, and you know, and that's Greek mythology. Well, I get that. And that's not what it means. When you start reading it you understand. That's exa- that's but 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 the deal is, let me tell you where the title comes from. Mm-hmm. The title comes from this. There is a word in the Bible that is the most prolific word used for the name of God himself. And the word is Elohim. Elohim, it's a Hebrew word. And it's found, it's the very first name of God we're introduced to in the Mm -hmm. Bible. 
Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Okay? Yeah. In so, the beginning, we created. Well, That's yeah. Some let translations. Me, let me, yeah. Well, yeah, but, uh, yeah, we, but that's, no, 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 that's a horrible translation. Mm-hmm. Um, especially after you read my book and mm-hmm. go through it, you'll understand. Mm-hmm. But it's, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. Now, because the only creator is God, and when we get to the New Testament, we discover over and over it said that Jesus Christ you know, is the creator. He created all things in him. All things were created by in him. All things hold together. So I deal with all of that. Does, so does God present himself in, in a person? Well, of course he did in Jesus Christ. Does he present himself as a person in the Old Testament? Absolutely. And my, and my book goes into all of that backed up by scholarly, scholarly stuff. So people are going to be surprised what they, what they read. But anyway, getting back to the title. Mm-hmm. So when you deal with this gods in the plural, why is that? All right, watch this. Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The word Elohim is a complex word. It's like our word deer or buffalo or glasses. Let me explain. Mm-hmm. If I shout out to you right now, deer. Or look at the deer. All right, are you thinking of one deer standing in the woods that I just saw? Mm-hmm. Or are you thinking, oh my gosh, look at all those deer. There's a herd of deer. Mm-hmm. All I said was look at the deer. But see, the word deer is plural or singular. Mm-hmm. See, it's, if it's in the plural, it's deer. If it's in the singular, it's deer. Mm-hmm. Well, how do we know if it's plural or singular? Mm-hmm. depends upon the context. And it depends upon the verbs and the uh, qualifying words around it. Mm. Buffalo, same way. Mm. If I say, look at the buffalo, same thing. Mm. One buffalo or a herd of buffalo. It and depends. Glasses, the opposite. Yeah. All right, but now watch. Glasses <laughs> is even a little more complex. Yeah. Because glasses, if I say, um, hey, I need those glasses right there. I can't read this. Or if I say, hey, bring me the glasses. We're getting ready to have a party. Mm-hmm. All right, two different kinds of glasses all together, but it's the same word. Mm-hmm. spelled the same, but one is singular and one is plural. Mm-hmm. If I use it for the things we put over our eyes, that's singular. If I use it for the things that are in the cupboard out of which we drink, that's plural. So so the word Elohim is exactly like all of that. Mm-hmm. It depends. Whenever you see a Hebrew word ending in the I-M, mm-hmm. that's, that means it's plural. It's like our English S or E-S, okay? Like glasses, Okay, you say, mm-hmm. well, it obviously ends with an S, uh, you know, uh, E-S, so it's obviously plural. No, not if you're talking about uh, the glasses that we put over our face. That's singular. Oh, well, why does it have an E-S? Well, it's one of those complex English words. Well, Elohim is one of those complex Hebrew words. So, now, here's the deal. The vast majority of the 3,000 times it's used in the Old Testament the vast majority of those times, it's used to speak of God. And it's usually found in conjunction with the word Lord. The Lord God said. Now that word Lord is is Yahweh. Mm. God is Elohim. So in Hebrew it would say, Yahweh Elohim said. Yahweh Elohim. All right, why, why does God prefer that title for himself, Elohim? 3,000 times it's used, and most of it, it is to speak of God. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. He doesn't say in the beginning, Yahweh created. He doesn't say in the beginning, El Shaddai, or El Adonai, or Adonai. It says, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. All right, now, 
here's where it gets really exciting and interesting. And I go into this in my book in great detail Mm -hmm. because it sure does bring a lot of light to the New Testament as well. The word Elohim is translated mostly to speak of the name of God, but it is also translated because of the verbs and the qualifying words and the context involved to speak of the angelic realm, the divine realm, the divine council, the heavenly host. Many, many, many translations in many, many places Mm. use the word gods with little g to indicate that they're talking about the divine realm. Why? Because the word in the Hebrew is Elohim, but it's clearly not speaking about Yahweh, Adonai. It's Mm. speaking about the divine realm. And so as a matter of fact, you say, yeah, but does God ever clearly say that himself? Oh, yes, he does. Psalm 82, where it says, Elohim is seated in the, in the divine council among the Elohim. And then he says to them, have I not called you Elohim? Wow, and, and then so it's, it, used th- it's used three times there. Elohim yes. himself in one yes. tense, the council in another, and then someone he's called Elohim. That's correct, and you discover through the context that he's speaking to the divine council around him, the heavenly host. So, but then when you get to the, the book of Hebrews, I mean, when you get to the book of Ephesians, now we get it, because in the book of Ephesians, the Bible tells us that God is in the process of bringing the heavenly family together with the earthly family under one head, Jesus Christ, and that everything in heaven and on earth, watch this, derives its name from the Father. We share the Father's name. Hebrews, I mean, Ephesians tells us that. Now we understand because the word Elohim, it's also translated, like in the book of Job, B'nai Elohim, which means sons of God. And what do we hear throughout the New Testament? We shall be called sons of God. To them that believe in Jesus Christ, we are called sons of God. When we are with him in glory, we will be like the angels. We will be called the sons of God. What's God telling us? When our divine nature is restored because of the blood of Jesus, we will bear the name Elohim as well. Wow. And that Because it's his name. It's, yeah. it's his family name. And so... so and but, what psalm? Now, what psalm was that where Elohim was used three times? Psalm eighty-two. But oh. there are many others. My book outlines many other passages mm-hmm. that do this. I just gave that as an illustration. Again, oh, okay. when you read, when you read the book, you're going to be blown away, bro. Right, right. Yeah. And then you go from there to uh, the the serpent, and you know, and and folks are uh, taught that uh, the serpent is all bad, and but it's yeah. sort of a yin and yang there, isn't it? Well, yes, and let, let me just finish where I was going with that, and we'll move right to the serpent. That's perfect, mm-hmm. Brother Craig, because the title, Gods and Thrones. So what am I meaning there? Mm-hmm. Well, what we learn is is that out of the divine council, the divine realm, by the way, you see the divine council in, 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 in Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel said, and I saw a throne, and thrones set in place, and 10,000 times 10,000 angels around the throne, the heavenly host, and then came one like the Son of Man, and he was given authority over the nations. I mean, what's Daniel looking at? He's looking at the divine council, the heavenly host surrounding the throne of God. He's looking at the Elohim, little e, surrounding the throne of Elohim, big E, the creator of all things. 
And so we see that in Revelation, John chapter 4 and John chapter 5. John goes into the presence of the, of the throne of God, and what does he say? He says, I see a throne, him who is seated on it, and in the middle of the throne is the Lamb who holds the seven-sealed scroll, and around the throne are twelve other thrones, and around those are the four living creatures, and around those are ten thousand times ten thousand angels. So what's he looking at? The same thing Daniel saw, the divine council, the heavenly host, and on and on. They're, they're, the, the scriptures tell us it's right before our face, but they also tell us that in the garden, at least there, mm-hmm. we know that there was a fall. We know that some of the heavenly hosts rebelled and followed after Satan in order to try to capture this creation, this world for themselves. Mm. They are known as the fallen ones or the demonic realm or the angels of Satan, Jesus mm. calls Satan and his angels, Jesus calls them. So, so what are they? They are Elohim, but they are the fallen Elohim. Mm-hmm. And so and when they we want talk, to come back and take over. Well, absolutely, and they're doing it now, and now this brings light. My title is goes to Ephesians 6. Now listen to Ephesians 6. Uh-huh. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but it is against powers, authorities, and principalities in the unseen realm. Therefore, gird yourself up with the armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand. Now, brother, we usually preach and teach that in some little cute Sunday school lesson about spiritual warfare and how how devil the devil tempted me to eat three bowls of ice cream last night instead of one. So, so I was, you know, so bad. Y'all pray for me. I'm doing some spiritual warfare. I cussed twice yesterday, and, and you know I shouldn't. Man, devil made me do it. No, no. All of that is our stupid sin nature and our flesh and bad decisions. That's mm. not spiritual warfare. That the Spiritual warfare is not about Craig or Carl so much as it is about the the gods, the little g, the mm. fallen ones behind the thrones of the earth that are attempting to take over this earth. Brother, they're taking over our nation right now. Yeah. Now, they're I need to over- ask you a question here because this has been, that Ephesians 6 has been like a sticking point. In, I mean, because as you know, I'm a simple man. A country boy on top of it, okay? Well, no, no, no you, you're putting words in my mouth, brother. I've never said that about you, <laughs> and I don't think that about you either. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead with your illustration. Well, I've, I've always kind of gotten that part of, of the way you explain the, um, the powers of the unseen. And, but the words have a dual meaning and now in English a principality uh, can also be a location and so when you say uh, you're fighting against powers of um, in the uh, religious world and in the uh, civil world the civil world would be a principality like here the city of Richmond is a principality the county of Henrico is a principality so it seems like pow- just powerful people. The um, the Sanhedrin were, you know, the religious leaders. And today I call him Reverend Chickenfoot. Uh, I often use uh, for a preacher who would fit that description where it says they have a form of godliness but deny the power because it really their heart's not in it. Maybe they're in the religion business and not uh, trying to really truly be a son of God. And so... I sort of look at this as 
the way it happens where the rubber meets the road. And is it possible that both things are true, that people who allow themselves to be yielded vessels of Satan, uh, if we look at the unseen world, where the seen world is right in your face and you give them a pass? Yes. No, that's exactly right. That is the double meaning. I mean, you've hit on it perfectly, Brother Craig, and that's what Paul is trying to warn us about. He says, let me tell you what this life is about. Yes, the flesh and blood is right in front of you. Yes, the kings. And listen, these principalities are also inside today's modern church, brother. Yes. And not just in the halls of Congress or governments or, or in the Middle East or among ISIS or in it Europe. It says high in heavenly places, so yes. I take the, that as not only what you're describing on the spiritual realm, but in the physical realm, isn't a church or a temple a high in heavenly place? Exactly. And so the point is that the double meaning is clearly there. But what Paul is trying to do is to wake up our spiritual eyes, because we're so tempted to see everything from a fleshly, earthly view alone. That's why he's saying, please understand, Hmm. our battle is not, and I'm going to add this word, and I know you're not supposed to add to the Word of God, (laughs) but this is the context. This Uh is the context. Paul is saying, but our battle is not only against flesh and blood, Mm -hmm. but also against the powers behind the thrones, Mm -hmm. the principalities. And by the way, principality, the the most archaic definition of it means an area governed by a prince. Okay, mm. And when you get to the book of Daniel, what do we discover when one of the angels comes to, to, to Daniel in Daniel light. chapter He's 10? He comes to Je- Daniel chapter in Daniel, and he says, I've come from the throne of God to bring the answer to your prayer. Your prayers have received, been received by the throne of God. He said, but I had to battle the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece on the way. He mm. wasn't talking about literal, literal physical kings. He mm. was talking about the powers behind the thrones, the princes of the principalities. That's what Paul is writing about. That's what spiritual warfare is in our day, brother. This is not about how many bowls of ice cream we eat. (laughs) This is about the kingdom of Satan getting ready to manifest itself in the kingdom of the Antichrist. It's about the kingdom of God getting ready to come to this earth in the the person of Jesus Christ. It's about a battle in the heavenly realms that's raging. Revelation 12, 12 says Satan has been cast down. Now, brother, we're like, 15 seconds from a bottom of the hour break. So, okay, go. Okay. And, uh, and folks, if you're just joining us, we have my very, very good friend, Brother Carl, Pastor Carl Gallops, discussing his latest book, Gods and Thrones. We will be right back. Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on Virginia's Big Dog Radio program, The Really Real Deal. And uh, I would like to remind you all out there that uh, we are starting now to uh, play Best of Your Friendly Neighborhood Hatchet Man, Brother Craig, on Sunday mornings, uh, 9 to 11 tomorrow morning. So hopefully when you're on your way to church, you'll listen to a little bit of uh, Brother Craig and uh, some of the fantastic guests that we've had over the years, uh, like my good friend here, 
uh, Brother Carl Gallops. And, uh, and also this Wednesday will be my first uh, television episode of five. Uh, uh, Wednesday from 7.30 to 8.30, Comcast Channel 95, Verizon Channel 36. And uh, we're looking very much forward uh, to seeing you there. And uh, it is a call-in uh, on Verizon and uh, Comcast. And uh, now, also, we're going to get back. The title of the book is Gods and Thrones. Uh, my good friend and uh, this brother, uh, book number six, uh, he is officially a bestseller. Uh, you've, uh, I think your first one was a bestseller, too, wasn't it, brother? Yes, sir, it was. I'm, yes. I'm so blessed. And, and in fact, I've, I've um, achieved the rank of uh, on Amazon uh, because, you remember, they sell millions of books, uh, mm-hmm. uh, top 60. In other words, several of my books have been in the top 60 of all 17 million books on Amazon. Wow. So That's... the Lord is just really, really blessed. Yeah, and there's so much. I, and I know I had asked for 45 minutes. I'm just I'm praying that we'd be able to get the whole hour in with you, brother. Yeah. Did you want me to answer your question about Nakash? Because it ties together. If you would, please. I mean, um, and I, and also I'm looking at, um, oh, gosh, I'm having brain freeze here. Bail. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we can get to bail because my understanding was that there was uh, some uh, idol to bail constructed this year. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so when it's like yeah. all this old stuff and if we, we yeah, can. Yeah, they took if, it on world tour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if yeah. we could get to that and what your thoughts are on uh, all this interfaith, uh, these interfaith attempts, uh, particularly with uh, Islam, which is uh, a religion that uh, came uh, 600 years after Christ. Yeah, well, okay. brother, let me just tell you, I'm not inviting myself back, but I can tell you by the time you read this book that you're going to have 12 more shows you're going to want to do or oh, questions. Well, look, you know, you always welcome here, brother. So we, we'd well, love to know, have you more. I just yes. want to tell you, I'm quite aware so many hosts get frustrated after they've read the book because they say, oh, my gosh, I need to have you on for the next year. I don't, I've learned so much. I said, oh, my gosh, thank you. But, but anyway, here's the yes. deal. Let me just explain this Nakash because the title of the book is mm-hmm. Gods and Thrones. And then the subtitle is Nakash, Forgotten Prophecy, and the Return of the Elohim. Now that your audience knows what Elohim means, that word return means the demonic outpouring of the last days that the Bible is so clear about. Mm. I mean, just in no uncertain terms, the New Testament, you know, Paul says, the Spirit clearly says in the last days, this demonic outpouring, this apostasy they'll cause, the kings, they'll go to the kings of the earth and deceive them, John tells us in Revelation, and on and on and on. So that's what's happening. That's what's happening before our eyes. People ask, why is this world going crazy? Why is America going crazy? Why is the Middle East going crazy? The Bible told us what was going to happen, and that's the times in which we're living. But this term, nakash, it's a Hebrew word, again, and it translates literally to serpent. Now, we don't use the word serpent too much anymore. We would say the word snake. Right. Uh, so, um, but, but that's what it translates to. But it also has another nuance of meaning, which is in the Hebrew lexicon very clearly. And it says, however, it is used often symbolically to mean one who whispers magically, one who is artfully deceitful. And then it says, especially Satan. So we realize that the term Nakash is a name used for Satan in the scriptures as well. Mm. Now, 
watch this. The first time we hear the word serpent, or as we would say in our modern language, snake, is in Genesis 3, the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. And so we've got all these sermons and Sunday school lessons and little children's bedtime stories showing a talking snake wrapped around a tree, convincing a woman to eat a piece of fruit. And when she does, every man, woman, boy, and girl goes to hell forever for the rest of eternity. And, and the whole world falls and everything messes up because a talking snake convinces. By the way, he had to be a really smart snake because not only could he talk the human language, but he could deceive the human being. Mm. I mean, or, or that is a metaphor, not that Adam and Eve are metaphors. They're not. They're mm. literal. The garden was literal. The fall was literal. But the story of what happened was either a literal snake talking human language, convincing a woman to eat a piece of fruit, or all of that has hugely symbolic meaning mm. backed up by Scripture. Yes. And what I tell people, I start here, and this is all the time I have to do on this right now, but this will be important to your folks. Mm -hmm. So we got to ask, before we start talking about the trees and the fruit and the eating, and is that symbolic, we just start with the serpent. Is that a real snake? Mm -hmm. And you know what? Three times the Bible says, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's Satan. Let me just go and show you the three times. Go to Revelation 12. And Jesus is talking, and he says, and that ancient serpent called Satan, who mm -hmm. is Satan, the devil. Mm -hmm. so, 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 the, so Revelation tells us, you know that one that we call the serpent, that ancient one? How ancient is he? Well, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, uh, who is he really? It's not a talking snake. Who is it? The Bible says, no, that's Satan. That's the devil. Revelation 12 tells us that. Go now, to second que Question on the the serpent and the powers of the serpent, and uh, there there's a place where uh, Christians are instructed to be as gentle as a dove, but as wise as a serpent. And th there there's also a place where uh, Moses's staff becomes a serpent that eats the serpent of the magician of Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. So. And there's also the place where the serpent is lifted up in the wilderness. Those are three. Yeah. You want me to go down those? Because Would you please? All, those are, okay. Now I'm going to have to get totally off subject of where I was and leave everybody hanging. Well. Because these are three different, <laughs> completely different contexts. And I'll be glad to handle them. But, brother, what kind of time limit well, do we let's, have? Okay, we've got 20 more minutes. So let's um, let me let you get back on track. And like you said, we're going to have to have you back again if you'd be so kind to do so. I, oh, brother, I'd be glad to. You know I love you. <laughs> And love your audience. But I just don't want to leave people hanging because okay. what the, it's, it's not fair to them. Plus, it's not fair to me because people will then judge me and say, you can't believe what that preacher said on the radio. Oh, okay. Well, but I didn't finish what I was saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. This the, the thing with the serpents, I just, like I said, I just, I've got the book last <laughs> I, yesterday, and I'm yeah. just trying to digest it, and it just fascinated me because there are all these things that, you you like you said you read it and you'll say oh wow and that's yeah. what I was doing. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You're so kind. You're so kind. Hey, just just when you read it, and I know you will, it'll suck you in. And by the time you're done, all of these questions will be answered for you. But I would love to come back on oh, and just share okay. whatever you want. But let me finish this. And we may have time to do everything you've asked. But let me just finish this. So the question is, 
is the serpent in the garden, is that a talking snake, or is it something else? Well, as I was saying, Revelation 12 tells us in no uncertain terms, no, it's Satan. It is, it is the being, Satan. Now watch this. So we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and Paul says the same thing. He says, just like Eve was deceived by the serpent in the garden. Okay, so he uses the word serpent. But then he goes on, and just a few verses later, he starts saying, you know, this is Satan, and even Satan can appear as an angel of light. He can, I mean, you know, he can appear to be a messenger from heaven who's speaking truth, because that's what he did in the garden. But he wasn't a talking snake. He was Nakash, just like Eve was deceived by Nakash. And then Paul goes on to say, but that's Satan. That was Satan. But get this. Go back to Ezekiel chapter 28. Oh, my gosh. God himself, through the prophet Ezekiel, is declaring a judgment upon Satan, and he says, you were in the garden, but I cast you out as profane. And that word profane means he defiled himself. He defiled the garden. He defiled the creation. And my book talks about what that defilement probably consisted of based upon what other New Testament writers say. That's another whole program. But the bottom line is, God says in Ezekiel 28, you were in the garden. You, Satan, not a talking snake. And then it goes on to say, and you were an anointed cherub. Oh, my gosh. God tells us Satan was one of the cherubim. Well, who are the cherubim? Ezekiel tells us the cherubim are the living creatures. Well, when you get to Revelation, you see the four living creatures guarding the throne of God. That was what Satan was. He was one of those. He was not a talking snake. The Bible tells us three times that the Genesis garden narrative is not about a talking snake. Mm -hmm. It's about Satan and all of his glory and his beauty and his majesty and his deceitfulness and his, mm -hmm. and his power of manipulation. Yeah, folks need he, to grow up out of those childhood um, uh, tales. <laughs> exactly. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like the Ephesians 6 passage. We want to make mm -hmm. it about how many bowls of ice cream we ate, and it's really about this hellish battle taking place mm -hmm. among the nations and Satan's desire to take over the world. Mm -hmm. We want to make Genesis 3 to be a children's bedtime story with a talking snake convincing a woman to eat an apple, while the rest of the world who doesn't understand the Word of God laughs at us and says mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're believing children's bedtime stories. And they're right, if that's what we believe. But, but if you read the rest of the scriptures, the rest of the scriptures tell us what happened in the garden, who Nakash the serpent was, what he was doing, what it was that brought the whole creation down to the depths of hell in need of a Savior and the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It's all right there, but you have to connect the dots, and my book connects the dots. And that's mm -hmm. all I'm going to say about that, brother. Oh, what else okay. you want to talk about? Well, we would... Um this, this thing with Baal, uh, and this is uh, straight out of the Old Testament, and it's right back in our faces in 2017. And, yes, sir. You know, yes, Christian sir. faith is uh, the, really the only faith that's under attack is the Christian faith. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tell me, how much time do we have, brother? And then We I'll have how to... 15 more minutes. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Let me answer the question like this. All right. You are right. The, the term Baal, B-A-A-L, now that's how we usually say it in the English. In Hebrew, it would be more, most correctly pronounced Baal, with kind of a guttural stop, but none of us speak that way, so 
we don't call it Baal, and I'll just call it Baal because that's what everybody calls it. Mm-hmm. But in the English, anyway, B-A-A-L. We run into that name early on in the scriptures, and then we see it used in different forms, kind of like Elohim and then B'nai Elohim. And, you know, so Baal is the same way. There's different forms, but we see it. So when we find out about Baal worship, which was instituted or, or brought among the Israelites through the Canaanites, and that's why God told them, go destroy them all. And once we understand what it was all about, you'll understand why God said, go destroy them all. But the bottom line is, it's the most ancient of the, watch this, of the gods, little g, the fallen ones that the that the ancient world was worshiping, they were worshiping. You say, yeah, but that's just an old worthless idol. Oh yeah, but the first two commandments in the Bible do not worship any other what gods, little g, and do not build any kind of a graven image unto them. Mm-hmm. If you do, I will pass this curse upon you down through your children to many generations. That's the commandments, brother. The first two commandments are about don't bow down to the fallen Elohim. Mm -hmm. These are demons, and you can build little statues, and you can summon their presence, and they'll show up, not because of what you built. That's worthless, but because you're calling upon them. And God said, this is defiling my name. It is horrific. I will, that, that will be a generational curse if you bring that to your home. See how powerful this is once we understand this, Brother Craig? Yes. And Baal was the oldest of them all. And they would build these platforms. They would build these state, um, statues. They would have these rituals. And you know what the rituals consisted of? The, t- the, the three main elements was to be in a drug-induced, alcohol-induced state of ecstasy, mm-hmm. to sacrifice children in the flames for good luck. They were told if you will get rid, if you will sacrifice children to Baal, your children, um, you, you will be financially um, made, Baal will bless you with finances. Um, they also had massive sexual orgies in front of these things, homosexual sex, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So all of these things, that even are a part of our culture today, were deeply ingrained in the Baal worship. And it was so filthy, it was so connected to the demonic realm, it was so degrading to an entire culture that God told the ancient Israelites, destroy the nations around you, destroy them all, or else they will infect your entire world. And so anyway, when we get that, go ahead. No, well, Brother Carl, what is it about these preachers that won't preach that and won't come against i mean look at what's happening the boy scouts and the girl scouts are merging you 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 have uh, a homosexual secretary of the army you have you know harvey weinstein you have i mean you, you know all the you know you can just go on i could spend five minutes just detailing all the sexual perversions from from the bathroom book, issues my, yeah my book answers the question I can't wait till you read it. <laughs> it answers it in great detail. Brother, it goes all the way to the garden yeah. and, and then forward from there. Yeah. I, I mean, it just, just wait till you read it, brother. It's going gonna, it's gonna to blow you away what you're going to see and what you're going to learn. But, but connected to the Baal stuff, think about it. Mm-hmm. All of this perversion you're just talking about, your observations are absolutely correct. It's connected to Baal worship. Well, Baal worship is the oldest form 
of demonic worship, which would mean it's the oldest form of the worship of Satan himself. Mm -hmm. And when we get to the New Testament, that's exactly what Jesus says. Jesus says it. And Mm -hmm. I write about that in my book, and I give the examples where Jesus defines Baal himself as none other than Satan, Mm -hmm. disguised as this idol to attract people to him. Now, so we understand what the Old Testament says about Baal. We understand what history says about Baal. Now we know what Jesus says about Baal. And Baal is mentioned all through the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. Now let's talk about 2016 and 2017. Yes. So we've got ISIS uprising, the Middle East on fire, Syria collapsing into an irreconcilable civil war, Turkey collapsing into the rise of a new Ottoman Empire into an Islamic caliphate, uh, uh, Christianity being exterminated. And in the meantime, ISIS marches into a city called Palmyra, Syria, Mm -hmm. and they destroy an ancient Roman temple of Baal. Okay? And then ISIS later destroys what's called the Arch of Palmyra, which is the archway of Baal that overlooked the entrance to the temple of Baal. And everybody that went into the temple to sacrifice their children, to do their orgies, to get drug-induced, to worship the demon who is Satan, everybody had to pass under that arch. It was a proclamation of saying, I am now committing my life unto Baal. I am passing under his arch. Okay. When the temple was destroyed, certain powers in the world were very upset about it. But when the archway was destroyed, groups got together, elite billionaire groups from around the world, they got together and they reconstructed the arch, the Palmyra Arch, Mm -hmm. the archway of Baal, and declared it to be of historical significance. And then in 2016, they said, we're going to take it on a world tour to display it. Mm -hmm. All right, now, please hear me. And I'm very balanced with this in my book, but when I tell you everything, it'll freak you out. I understand that even pagan artifacts are historical artifacts, and they are worthy of museum display and learning about and, Mm -hmm. you know, and teaching our children right and wrong and go to the museum, see this Baal temple, see this Baal arch. That's nasty. The Bible talks about it. and tell the truth about it, though. That's right. Exactly. Okay, so I'm cool with that. So when I first heard they were going to put this on display, I thought, well, okay, this is just like a little museum piece they're going to take around the world. But, brother, that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. The first place they took it was to London, the number one economic capital of the world. Mm -hmm. And they unveiled it, and they had a ceremony celebrating the Arch to Baal, and they unveiled it on the day of Beltane. Your audience can look that up. And Beltane is the official day upon which the people who worship Baal, the Satanists, the occultists, every day, like there's a Halloween that's deeply connected to it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have maybe Resurrection Sunday and Christmas and Thanksgiving and all these things we have. Well, the Satanists have their holidays, and Beltane is one of their main holidays. It is the day that they worship Baal, and they call upon the whole world to worship Baal. So it was unveiled in the number one economic capital of the world, the major city of the European Union, mm-hmm. on Beltane with a ceremony. Then they took it from there to New York City and unveiled it a block away from Ground Zero. Mm-hmm. 
and they declared it as a symbol of freedom. Yeah. Well, this is why how, I wanted to ask you about it. I remember this, and this is yeah. like this is so disturbing that well, we worse. have such few people to speak out about it. Yeah, it gets worse. They unveiled it as a symbol of freedom. The mayor said this represents freedom. And you know what? She's right. But what it represents is freedom from God, mm. freedom from morality, right. freedom from sexual morality, freedom right. from demonic reaching out to the demons. Mm. We have freedom to do this. She actually said that. She yeah. didn't say those words, but she said it represents freedom. But and Paul we, did say, brother, that our freedom is not for sin, that God created us free. That's it. Yeah. So watch this. So they unveiled it there. Where? New York City. What's in New York City? It's the number two economic capital of the world. It represents the power of the number one powerful nation of the world, the number one economy of the world. It also represents where um, ground zero is, and it also is the home of the United Nations. Mm -hmm. You know, this one world order, this globalist thing, which, by the way, Revelation 13 tells us that's what the Antichrist is involved in. Right. One world order, globalism, that's the spirit of Antichrist. We don't need God. We just need the governments and technology coming together under one government, and we will worship that as our Messiah. Uh, Revelation 13 is clear that that's going yeah. to happen one day. Now, so quick then they question, took it, brother. Uh, London, London is now closing in on being Londonistan with with the Muslim mayor. Oh, no and, doubt. Okay, so it's, we it's see. It's all connected. Right. So, and then the Western world, I've been reading a lot about this lately, that fertility rates in the Western world are down 40%. And the, the the Muslim world, they're popping out four and five babies per woman. Okay, yeah. so, I mean, do the math. How long it will, will take, uh, some people say in 30 years, some people say in 50 years, but no one is saying that it's not going to happen. The total uh, elimination of Christianity in Europe, uh, similar to what we see in cities in the Middle East where was the, a lot of these cities were the birthplace of Christianity, and now you can't find a Christian there. Yeah. Well, no, you're right. You're right. And so it's all tied together. And so after they took it to London, then they took it to New York City. Then in the beginning of 2017, they took it to Dubai in the Middle East. Oh. Well, why, what was going on in Dubai? <laughs> well, number one, Dubai is one of the major economic capitals of the Islamic world. And what was going on when they unveiled it? The Global Governance Council, representing 120 nations, 4,000 people, Barack Obama and others spoke there, Elon Musk, their charter statement of foundation is, we're trying to bring the whole world together under one umbrella, and then it says, comma, all seven billion of us. Wow. And what did they, how did they open the conference? They unveiled the Arch of Baal, and they paid homage to it. But that's not all. Then about six months later in 2017, um, not six months later, three or four months later, in this year, 2017, they took it to Florence, Italy, at the opening of the G7 summit. Wow. Brother, every time that veil was celebrated and unveiled with ceremony, mm -hmm. it was done at a globalist center of the world. It is as though Satan himself is claiming his territory and spitting in the face of God, saying, I'm getting ready to own the whole world. Wow.
That's powerful, brother. Folks, you've got to get this book. And uh, All of that's in that book. Yep. Yes. you. Everything got, we've talked about is in that book. You have got to get this book, folks. Um, Gods and Thrones, uh, Brother Carl Gallops. And, uh, brother, this you are, you are so right now. I'm going to have to dig into this, and we're going to have to have you back, brother. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me put it like this. I am not inviting myself, but I will be glad to come. But I promise you, Oh, with the relationship okay. we have, when you finish reading that book, you're going to want to talk some more about this stuff. Oh, look, I wish I had another hour already. Me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you're so kind. You're such a great brother, man. I love well, you. Please give your wife and father-in-law my love. I will do that. And you too, uh, to Pam, please, you know. Thank you. you know, tell her that, um, you know, Kimberly and I, we just send our love your way. And I will. Yeah, so will, anyway, brother. we're right up at the end of the program. I, know. I, I just want to thank you again. It's all it's such an honor. You do so much with your your TV, your radio, your writings, uh, your travel, and you managed to have time to be the full time pastor of a of a of a real church. Okay. Yeah, it so. really is. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good sized church too. I mean, it keeps me busy. Good yeah, gracious, but they're yeah. sweet people. They've had me there. I'm in my thirty first year as their pastor. Wow, wow. So God bless. So you've already had your thirtieth anniversary celebration, then? Yes, they did. They oh. sure did. They had a thirtieth anniversary celebration. They were so sweet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, brother, we're like less than a minute to the program, so yeah. we, we're going to have to uh, say goodbye uh, for right now, but we're going to have you back real, real soon. And thank Thanks. you again, and God bless you, brother. My pleasure. God bless you. Folks can find out all about me at carlgallops.com. Thank you, okay. brother Craig. All right. God bless you now. God bless you, buddy. Bye-bye. All right. Well, all right, folks, we're going to let that wrap the program up. And, again, that's Gods and Thrones is the book. Uh, Carl Gallops uh, is the author. CarlGallops.com is the website. Uh, remember, tomorrow, 9 to 11, right here, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, one of our best of programs. And next Wednesday, 7.30 to 8.30, uh, channel 95 Comcast, channel 36 Verizon. God bless you, Virginia. Where is the best news and talk? AM 820 WNTW Chester is the answer.